2: And that's right, my name is Scott Adams, you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today, and for just a quick moment, we brought Leonora Kravota in to talk about the Oscars.
3: Well, I've got a couple of things to say about the Oscars. Before I get into our personal encounter, I thought that they were fantastic. There were no woke moments, absolutely no woke moments. It. They were funny. They were heartfelt. Uh, you know, the award recipients appeared grateful. The actor whose name I cannot pronounce. Hi, K. Young. The the actor who won best supporting actress for actor. why How do you say his name?
2: And his last name is Q U A Y. Right. Why.
3: Okay, Vietnamese. he okay. He is a not fifth, from China. He's from he, he's from v, he's from Vietnam. He's a 51 year old actor who had done who had been a child actor in Goonies and Raiders of the Lost Ark. He had decades in Hollywood where nothing was going on. He yeah, when he won, he was crying, and he was the after, after I think there was an animation award. It was the second award that set the tone for the night. He was profoundly grateful. Jamie Lee Curtis was who came from who came from Hollywood. Royalty, the daughter of uh, Janet Leigh and Tony an Curtis. Oscar. She never won. A, her parents never won an Oscar. I mean, she, and you know what she said that was so beautiful. She said, "For all the people that supported my genre movies, meaning all her scream movies, and of course she was in uh, Trading Places and True, and True Lies and all this other stuff." But she was wonderful. I mean, absolutely wonderful the way she came up there, and then and then of course Mel, Michelle Yeoh who uh it is the f- who is from Malaysia the first asian american w- woman to win a best actress oscar she well, actually the first asian to win a uh- uh, female Asian to win an Oscar, I guess. She went up there and she said, and ladies, for anybody who tells you that you're over your prime, don't listen to them, you know, however she phrased it. I wonder if that was a sh- uh, shout out at Don Lamont who made some comments about women being over their prime. But the whole thing, but it was, and then there was somebody, they sang happy. Somebody brought up uh, one of the members of their, production crew was up there and said it's this guy's birthday somebody sang the carpenters i mean it was one positive moment after another
2: yeah it was kind of funny when they uh, started singing the carpenters
3: right yeah. and he could because he agreed it was an indian it was an indian uh, uh, gentleman and he had grown up with that music and, and people were like walking around they were like smiling the only political moment happened when they were talking about a, a political movie where the subject of the film was was actually in prison. It was that about was Ukraine, it. Ukraine, like, but, that,
2: but uh, we all think around here Ukraine is a bunch of BS. But, but that
3: being said, that was yeah. the one moment I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed every moment of it. I uh, thought it was exceptionally well done. No, Leonora, Funny,
2: Leonora, um, you sound excited about I it. I was yeah, excited. I'll give that to you. Um, it's just the Oscars, though. know, yeah, come on. Well, I.
3: But here's the hey, thing. Hey, no. uh, Here's we- the thing. People for generations would look forward to watching the Oscars. They would grow up with it with their well, families. Let, let me make my point. They would go. They would get. They would watch all the famous celebrities get dressed up. What has happened to that? As you and I have discussed for years on end, yes. is that that glamour and that it's respect gone. for the award for Hollywood has for been anything. stripped away. You know, the, and uh, and again, the, the last night it was restored.
2: You know, when you, um, I, I have this affinity to uh, go on YouTube and look at these nineteen um, twenties, like in, in New York, nineteen twenties, and is basically i I like these um i've always liked these videos where um it's just a walking tour of a city Mm -hmm. where there's no talking yeah right and people just walk around it could be Istanbul. it could be any city right and in the world and they give a tour and you basically see it through their eyes but they're not narrating and in the 20s, they did that as well with the cars, and, and you would see how people were living in the 20s, and they would wear their top hats, and they would wear their um, suits, and everybody dressed up to the nines just to go out to get a bagel, right. you know what I mean? Well, I don't and, know if it and,
3: was to get a bagel, but that's okay. <laughs> okay.
2: But, you know, the idea is is that uh, we don't really try that hard anymore, and it's a shame, um, but you were not, not too long ago, you were in Hollywood staying at the Roosevelt Hotel.
3: Right, well, actually, the, the, this, the encounter that we're going to talk about did not actually happen at the Roosevelt Hotel, but I did stay at the Where legendary... Where did it hang out? Okay. Where did it happen? Well, let me oh, just... that was
2: in um, uh, Marina Del Rey.
3: Marina Del Rey. Well, let me just mention yeah. the two points. Yes, I was at the Roosevelt Hotel, which is across the street from the Dolby Theater, and I also did a tour of the Dolby Theater. So I know what the Dolby Theater looks like ordinarily when it's not the Oscars, But uh, and the Roosevelt Hotel was... The site of the very first Oscars ceremony, and then they, then for many years, it never had a home. They moved it around plenty of places, but it's been in the Dolby Theater for years now. Okay, the incident that happened was about three or four days before I got to Hollywood. I was in Marina del Rey, and there is a uh, there was a hotel, um, a Marriott, uh, where I was staying. And there was a you know an upstairs on the marina on the marina, and there was a bar upstairs where we have drinks and snacks. I, I got into conversation with a gentleman who worked in finance. I guess he was he was there with his date, and uh, he didn't li- he wasn't staying at the hotel but it was a it had a nice bar so they were going there for uh you know for drinks before they went to dinner or something and we got into conversation again. It's, how, it's it's L.A. Well, what do people do? He worked in the movie business. I happen to, as people may know, have a very good memory, and I said, "Oh, where 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 do you uh, work, or what type of work do you do in the movie, in the in the industry?" And he told me he worked in finance, and he told me the name of the company. It probably didn't stick with me at the moment, but it was Eight Twenty Four Productions, and this company uh, is the company that made. Um, Everything, everywhere, all at once. And they also made The Whale and probably a number of other films. They're they get their growing invisibility. But he mentioned... He didn't mention the whale. He mentioned Erica, and, and again, I'm only thinking about this reflexively today. He mentioned everything, everywhere, all at once, and it was such a memorable title. He brought it up, I think, because the film had just been released, and it was at a church or something in the LA area. Church. I Not, thought it was
2: a Christian movie.
3: No, it, well, he I mentioned didn't know that. No, he mentioned that Michelle Yeoh, the uh, the actress who ended up winning the Oscar, was in it. I knew her name, and. We, and at one point I was driving by and I saw it on the placard of the church and it kinda of stuck in my mind and when Oscars came because of the memorable name and when the and I don't even remember the name of the gentleman I got into conversation with other than we he was. We didn't worked get his fine. card or anything. No, right? we didn't, yeah. And right. I all I remember is he worked in finance. Uh, for for that for the production company. So, but what I do remember was this crazy title. So then suddenly, you know, flash forward all these months, and this movie, which made a big hit at uh, one of the fe- festivals, is now I think the South by Southwest festival is what made it. And then what happened is now it's. Uh, it was g- collecting all the awards from the precursor Show sc- uh, Screen Actors Guild and uh, Golden Globes and stuff. So there was so much buzz about it, and it got all these Oscar nominations. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's the guy we met at yeah. th- at the at the Marina Del yeah. Rey bar. So so that's yeah. the funny story. It, he was a
2: really nice guy. Really he was nice a black guy, and we really hit it off with him, and uh, we had a uh, a good time with him. He was very personable, very personable, a very nice man, and. Uh, I gotta tell you, it was uh pretty cool. He must have gotten a pretty good bonus this year. <laughs>
3: well, yeah. <laughs> I I'm sure I'm sure when the film uh, the, there will be bonuses to people because the movie has already made over hundred million dollars. Oh
2: my gosh. Yeah. Which
3: you know, and, and I think this well, what was they were
2: talking about um last night they were saying, um Babylon, for example. Your favorite movie, one of your favorite movies is La La Land. Right, right? And La La Land was made by who? Uh,
3: Damien Chazelle.
2: Yeah. And Babylon, Babylon was made by who?
3: Damien Chazelle.
2: And could the two movies be any further apart?
3: Oh my God! And and, and Babylon, not to waste time talking about this right now, was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Although it did get nominated, and for... and they were talking about how
2: much money it lost,
3: and it lost tons of money. And <laughs> although you know they were making jokes saying nobody from Babylon's here, but Mar- Mar- Margot no, but, Ro- Robbie was there. But,
2: but that, that that brings me to my next point, and uh, we're not going to talk about the Oscars all day, but. It brings me to the point that I really feel like the Oscars were listening to the conservative and and abandoning some of the globalist thing. Even Disney, Iger, was out there. With his wife, and, Willow and, Bay. And, and they Disney, were there. Disney owes to ABC. ABC was hosting the um, Oscars. And I think that what's happened is they realize you know what, this woke stuff is, is costing us a lot of money. Yeah. Because people are disengaged, people don't want to go to the NFL and watch people take a knee. Um, you know, you can go all the way back to Kaepernick, and everybody's just sick and tired of this woke BS. We don't need to be told about racism and this, that, and the other, right? So it's it's sort of like um, you know you compare what, what the Will Smith debacle from last year, and then you contrast it. They're laughing about it. They're laughing at themselves because of their behavior, right. and I remember last year too. There was no glam; there, there was a lot of uh, weird dress and stuff like that. And this year, they they really put it together. They they tightened it up, and they they went back to the way I think it it, it should be and what used to be. And I think that they're tightening their belt and basically saying, you know what, we're going to give the people what what the people expect.
3: All right, and I want to make one last comment. One of my favorite parts of the, of the awards is always the retrospective, the, the salute to the people yeah. who are gone. And this year, they made it more Hollywoodish. Yeah. They made it more... Last year, they had people doing some type Although of Although they black. didn't
2: include Robert Blake.
3: Well, that's a, that was a joke. Hey, look. The video was already cut when he died. Yeah. I'm not going to get into a debate with you. A joke was made about if you think he should be in a text. But that was a joke. Well, I know you thought you actually should text But it was a joke. So, but my point with this was they turned this into a Hollywood event because, first of all, they had Lenny Kravitz on piano, which was wonderful singing. And then they brought out John Travolta. Who, of course, uh, Eliz- you know, not only Olivia did he,
2: Newton-John. Not
3: only did he lose his wife within the last few years, an act- actress Kelly, Kelly Preston, Preston, but Olivia Newton-John uh, passed away, and she was the first that they put up. But he made a comment about you know actors that were hopelessly devoted to you, which is a song from the movie Grease, and he was ready to cry. So, so those moments were, you know, were, were wonderful. It was just, it had the reverence, it had the fun, and it had all the gratitude, and you know, and every person. Who won was in some way some type of I don't want to say under underhero or so, somebody who uh, was a comeback kid or but it was a it was always a great story. Even the two guys who won from um, everything everywhere all at once, uh, uh, were college went to college together at Emerson College. I mean, there's been. There was, where's emerson college it's in it's in boston oh, so okay. so there there was one good story after another so well thank you for uh, By bringing the way, me how on how did you
2: know where emerson college is
3: because i knew somebody went there
2: oh okay
3: yeah so thank <laughs> you for as bring, you would so thank you for bringing me on to talk about the oscars and i'm happy to say that this year i give oscars 2023 a big thumbs up
2: all right good good all right thank you leonora and have a wonderful rest of your day. You too, Scott. And uh, and you too to everybody listening. Okay. All right. And that concludes our Oscars um, presentation for the Scott Adams Show. It only happens once in a while. Not even once every year. All right. So we're going to get to the news. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I think about is the COVID uh, the co Well, I'm thinking about uh, Silicon Valley Bank, right? I'm thinking about this bank, and I'm thinking we would not have had this Silicon Valley Bank if we didn't have the Federal Reserve increasing rates. That's why it's happening. It's happening because the rates are being increased. And when you think about that, we wouldn't have had the inflation if we didn't have the COVID lockdowns are you seeing the the chain reaction see the thing is is that so many people the, the housing market and the unaffordable housing right now and the unaffordable like supply chain and the unaffordable um uh inflation across the board is just sort of an attack on the middle class and so many people were injected with cash through federal government spending that there is an a increase in demand without an increase in supply. And that created pressure on the supply chain. And anytime you do that, you're going to have inflation. And what I think that they didn't figure out is they didn't figure out how bad that was, how significant. The enormity of it. They didn't figure it out. And they messed it up. They miscalculated the enormity of it. And here we are. First Republic Bank, Western Alliance Bank, um, is is under pressure right now. And First Republic Bank is under pressure. Um, You have Silicon Valley Bank, then you have this digital bank, um, and I'm going to get the name of it. But you have you have way too much going on here. There's more than twenty two trillion dollars in the U.S. banking system. The FDIC has one hundred twenty four point five billion on its balance sheet and a hundred billion line of credit from the U.S. Treasury. FDIC assets cover only 1.26% of deposits about, about the size of Silicon Valley Bank. One bank. Let that sink in. That's a scary proposition. And when you take a look here, it says, uh, one of the things that the Republicans don't want is they don't want another bailout. They don't want to be ba- They don't want the bailout for student loans, forgiveness. They don't want the bailout for the banks. Uh these banks didn't have enough money on hand and people are making runs on the banks. What is a run on the bank? Remember um in it's a wonderful life that movie where people were running on the bank. They were basically getting afraid that their were their money was going to be lost. That's the that's the worry I have with cryptocurrency is there's no protection there's no insurance see everybody knows that FDIC will will insure your money up to $250,000 which is why many of many of people will open up multiple bank accounts but there's several different ways you can go about um they'll they'll open up different banks with different uh different banks and 250,000 will be the most they'll hold and that will be the amount that's insured. And you, if you have a million dollars, you might open up four bank accounts. You could also open up trusts. And you can put money into a, 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 an account and then allocate trusts. And each trust is treated as a separate entity. So there's ways to work around it. But it's a, it's a serious problem. So there's Silicon Valley Bank and there's there's one other um, bank that I was trying to get the name of. And. um, Yeah, I think it's here. So uh, Janet Yellen says no bailout for uh, Silicon Valley Bank, but has concerns about contagion to other banks. Okay, so let's take a listen to what she had to say Um. I don't trust her as far as I could throw her is the problem. She is a very untrustworthy uh, person, and she's very, very much not a bright person. She's a dumb, dumb woman. But here she is, head of treasury, so we have to listen to her.
4: Let me be clear that um, during the financial crisis, um, there were um, investors Um, and owners of systemic large banks that were bailed out. And we're certainly not looking. And uh, the reforms that have been put in place means that we're not going to do that again. But we are concerned about depositors and are focused on uh, trying to meet their needs.
3: Can you say whether these problems were unique to to Silicon Valley Bank or... Can you say whether there will be other regional bank failures?
4: Well, look, let me just say that we want to make sure that the troubles that exist at one bank don't create contagion uh, to others that are sound. And um, a goal always of supervision and regulation is to make sure that contagion can't, uh, can't occur.
2: Contagion sounds like an infection. <laughs> now, people at uh, First Republic Bank, for example, um, in Brentwood, were filmed lining lining around the bank to pull their money off the bank. And there are other banks that are facing similar. You know, there were like these regional banks. But I I was watching a lot of finance over the weekend. And even Wells Fargo is not positioned very well, very strong. And so you just, you know, you got to keep your eye on things. And if you can't keep your money in a bank and feel safe, where can you keep it? And people are starting to look at gold. They're starting to look at treasury uh, bonds, Um, you know, T-bills, treasury bills. Um, So we don't know, but... uh, I was listening to this uh, video here, and um, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Let's take a listen to this. Um, pay attention. The banking collapse has begun. Okay, so let's take a listen.
1: This week, Tucker Carlson exposed the masses to the January 6th hoax. In the Proud Boys trial, leaked chat logs from FBI Special Agent Nicole Miller revealed that she was ordered by her boss to destroy 338 items of evidence. Once this news broke days ago, the trial was halted. The investigation into Twitter has revealed that moderators were instructed to censor true posts which could fuel hesitancy. Former CDC head Robert Redfield has just testified that the NIH was conducting gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab in China. Politically, the tide is turning, and people all over the world are now rejecting the New World Order. The Central Bank of Nigeria launched their CBDC a little over a year ago, but the people rejected it. So early this year, the Nigerian banks emptied the ATM machines and closed their doors. This resulted in angry protests. The people attacked ATMs and blocked roads in multiple cities. The Bank of Lebanon has crashed. The Lebanese pound has fallen to an all-time low of 80000 against the U.S. dollar. The people have taken to the streets. Banks have been set on fire. The rise in Fed rates has officially killed America's biggest lender, Silicon Valley Bank. The FDIC shutters Silicon Valley Bank. $152 billion of uninsured deposits are destroyed. The rise in Fed rates also killed Silvergate Capital. Several regional bank stocks have plummeted as a result of the Silicon Valley Bank and the Federal Reserve's rate hikes. The housing market is collapsing as well. The majority of commercial real estate loans Are lent by small banks. Massive short bets are now happening in the commercial real estate market. The Federal Reserve Bank is taking down the housing market along with all regional banks, leaving only its vassals who will be distributing CBDCs as a solution. The financial experts are now recommending that people have food, gold and silver, and cash in their possession. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. my
2: latest videos sign up for my yeah um so that was a pretty uh interesting expose silver uh uh silver bank um was the uh company that uh and then the bank of beirut also i mean these are these are real real situations going on here and um You know, and it's it's the, it's the power elite that's causing all of this with all of the things. It's not like they weren't warned, folks. It's not like we didn't warn them that the COVID lockdowns were going to have negative responses, suicide rates were going to go up. And all these other things were going to happen as a result of these COVID lockdowns. See, the lockdowns. Aren't just about medical. I mean, they're emotional. They're devastating financially. And one of the one of the one of the uh, unintended consequences of this engineering of controlling masses of people is they bottled the, the bottleneck. People were prevented from going to the restaurants. And going out and spending their money, and then when they did, they ended up, they ended up um, creating a, a lot of pressure on the markets and destabilized the markets. So there was this increase in demand without an increase in supply, and the supply itself stopped because people weren't getting any demand. So they didn't invest in say chips because chip technology changes yearly. Right? So why am I going to invest in a whole bunch of chips technology? Right? Knowing full well that next year's chip is going to be faster, smarter, better. Right? So they stopped. And next thing you know, there was a chip shortage. Then there was that impacted the car shortage. And that impacted car prices. And the same thing was done with housing. People weren't spending their money on champagne and beer and wine, you know, at expensive rates and hotels and whatever, right? Travel. They weren't doing any of this. They weren't flying anywhere. They weren't going anywhere. They weren't spending their money. And then by the time it was, it was sort of like the GI thing. You know, a sailor goes off to sea for six months, getting paid every day. And they come back to, to shore and they have all this money in their pockets. And they call them the drunken sailor, you know, because he's the guy with the huge bulge in his pocket. And I'm talking about cash, right? He's got all this money built up from his time away and he got the big paycheck and and that's the the that's the mythological story behind that well that's what happened to the world what a bad idea to do that to the whole entire world ruined wiped people out forever it was the biggest theft from the middle class that ever occurred and again The same people that were behind the COVID mess are the same people that were behind, that are behind the COVID, uh, the climate lies. I ran across over the weekend this Greta Thunberg tweet. She says, five years ago, she said this a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next 5 years. She wrote that in 2018. It's 5 years later. Are is any of that true? Did that get banned by Facebook? Did that get censored? No. Is she still a leading voice in that industry? In that cottage industry? Yes. Is she still faking her arrests and getting locked up and you know, making a stand and get making millions of dollars? Yes. She's making millions off of this stuff. And it's sad when you think about it. But she sit, could sit there and lie like Al Gore can year after year after year. They get it wrong every time, every time. And we're supposed to sit there and listen to them tell us that we should trust the science. I don't quite get that, do you? I don't think it's right that I should have to listen to them and that they should be able to regulate everything. And this whole climate hoax is all about slave labor, and we know it. And I care about that. Because I care about people. And I don't want that slave labor. But what they're trying to do is they've conceded. They've basically said that in the West, nobody wants to work labor jobs for minimum wage. They've all said that. Everybody says uh, they have a degree. That's, that's sort of what this whole thing is about uh, uh, student loan forgiveness. It's all about paying back the universities. It's about rewarding the universities. It's not, and it's about buying off votes. It's trying to buy the young voter. And it's about trying to uh, gain government control over education and indoctrinate our children. But it's also about paying back the universities. Who have huge endowments, but what? What at the end of the? At the end of the road, there, it's about slave labor. It's about climate. It's about selling a narrative that is not true. So, when people get into the Paris Agreement, for example. And they declare that China is a developing country. And that China and India are developing countries. And the World Bank declares them as developing countries. Everybody's in on it. So that what happens is, when, while the West detaches themselves from manufacturing to reduce their carbon emission and their carbon footprint... And they're doing it in the name of mandates and regulations and restrictions and requirements. They're they're basically saying, we're doing it because we have to. We entered an agreement. We're fulfilling our obligation. Now it's an obligation, right? But it was man-made. It was a man-made obligation. So ultimately what happens is all the manufacturing gets shipped over to the two countries with the largest populations. People, commodities. So, who are those two countries? What are the two countries with the two largest populations? Think about it. You know the answer is India and China. So, together, they have almost 3 billion people who can work. And they're going to bridge that gap until automation is fully achieved. And they're going to work, slave labor, and they're going to work for $5 a day. And nowhere in America can anybody work for $5 a day. Unions would put a stop to that. Right? Unions have already stopped that. So the point is, is that the globalist movement is is redistributing people all around the globe to fulfill certain purposes. They still need slave labor domestically to wash the dishes, to change the sheets at a hotel, to drive your car, the, the Ubers and Lyfts, to work the meat packing plants. Incidentally, the synthetic beef that Bill Gates is putting out is causing cancer. They have a new report about that. Big surprise. I would never eat that stuff. But that's what's happening. So we're importing domestic voters. Uh, We're getting them registered. We're sending out ballot harvesters. I always say this. I always say it like, it's like a French cook, a French restaurant, where no scrap of of anything gets left on the table. In a French kitchen all the fat from the uh, off the bone and the bone itself gets thrown into a, a soup and that soup is going to be a tasty soup you know nothing goes to waste in a french kitchen they use every little byproduct and the same thing is true with the democrats and their tyranny they they have milked every last Aspect of illegal migrants. They call them dreamers and they talk about how much they care about them. But for the most part, they just want the slave labor. You know why? Because the corporations that are benefiting from the slave labor are paying them. That's why. It's a pay-to-play scheme. And we do it everywhere we turn. There's a pay-to-play scheme here. This is uh, the White House press secretary under Obama. And listen to what he had to say.
1: On, on, on the world. Uh, what I can tell you about steps the United States uh, might take in response is that we are undertaking a review uh, of, its, uh, of our relationship with Uganda in light of this
2: decision. All right. So this was about Uganda, a very wealthy country in and of itself, really. It says, legalize LGBT or you'll get no money. Kind of reminds me of Fire the Prosecutor in Ukraine that's investigating Hunter Biden or get no money. But Museveni
5: remains unperturbed.
2: The outsiders cannot dictate to us.
0: This is our, our, our country. This is our society. This is our future. This is not anybody's future. And... Uh, outsiders will have to live with us or if they don't want they take their aid and we shall uganda doesn't is very rich we don't need aid in fact aid is part of the problem
2: continue to urge so the uganda guy says take your money and shove it where the sun doesn't shine because you know we're pretty wealthy ourselves and aid isn't it's part of the problem you want to shove your lgbtq bs down our throats We're going to go tell you to fly a kite. We're a Christian nation. And that's what we need. We need more people to stand up for what is right. Tucker Carlson has done that, but it's coming to price. Tucker Carlson on how the NSA hacked his Signal account to stop him from interviewing Vladimir Putin everyone's in on it. Republicans and Democrats are all in on it. Listen.
6: Um, I'm not hiding anything, but I was definitely hiding my plan to go interview Putin just because it's an interview. So no so how did that happen? How, did, yeah. how do you know the NSA broke into your signal? Because well, they admitted it. Really? Oh yeah. Like, Can you tell us about that? Like how did you find out? I got a call from somebody in Washington who's, who would know, just trust me who, uh, so I I went up there for another reason, but, This person said, you know, are you going to come to Washington anytime soon? This was a year and a half ago. And I was like, yeah, actually, I'm going to be up in a week. Meet me Sunday morning. So weird. Like, who does that? Just text me. You know what I mean? Just text me. No. So I go and this person's like, and this is someone who would know. um, Are you planning a trip to go see Putin? This was the summer before the war started. And I was like, how would you know that? I haven't told anybody. I mean, anybody. Not my brother, not my wife, nobody. And just because, you know, it's one of a million things you're working on. and But that was one of them. I want to go interview. Why wouldn't I want to interview Putin? Of course. I want to interview Xi. I want to interview everybody, right? Yeah. That's kind of my job.
3: We want to get Kim Jong-un on well, here Of one course.
6: Day. Of course. We met him. You did? Yep. Oh, we got to talk about that after. Yeah. Super interesting. But anyway. Holy shit. Um, how would you know that? Because NSA pulled your text with this other person you were texting. How did you know that? And so I immediately I was intimidated, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I was. I was completely freaked out by it. I called a US senator, who I know not that well, but it seems like a trustworthy worthy person. And I told him a story. I said, I just want to tell you this. And then I went on TV on Monday and I'm like, This happened. And so they had, you know, in Congress asked NSA, and NSA is like, yes, we did this, but for good reason. What would be a good reason to read my you know, what? But the head of NSA it's fine It gets because everyone's in on it. Republicans and Democrats are all in on it. And by it, I mean the assumption that there's no privacy whatsoever, that they have a right to know everything you're saying and thinking. That shit's scary. And that's bro. just not a right as far as I'm concerned. You yeah. have no, by the way, if you have no privacy, you have no freedom. Freedom is predicated on privacy. It's like none of your business. You don't that,
3: even think about that. Like they can just go
6: through your phone and, we'll, and find well, everything. They did it to me, so I know that for a fact. And But again, if you have no privacy, you have no freedom. Yeah, How about this? It's none of your business. If that's not a good enough answer, then you are a slave.
2: That is such a brilliant statement. It's none of your business. If that's not a good enough answer, you're a slave. Incidentally, there's more and more video footage coming out about J6, and there's these Capitol Hill police smiling with the so-called protesters. And I wrote a piece, and I said... You know, basically that the rally was a protest on behalf of Donald Trump against election fraud, which is exactly what we had. And that's exactly why we have the government government that we have is is because of election fraud. Nobody wants the government that we have right now. It's being forced down our throat through election scam, election fraud. And that's the thing.
4: I don't know, call me crazy, but that Capitol Police officer, he's smiling and he's holding the door open. Doesn't look like he's being attacked to me.
2: <laughs> he's not. <laughs> Everybody's aware of this, what's going on. Um, I want to play a couple of different uh, clips that we have before we run out of t- time. Um, this this was... Uh, All right. I'm going to play. I have a series of clips I'm running behind uh, right now. But uh, um, this is Noor Bin Laden. Noor Bin Laden. She follows me on Twitter. Uh, She's Osama Bin Laden's daughter, I think. Um, But she's a patriot. She's a Trump supporter. And she cares about America, believe it or not. Let's take a listen.
4: To wrap up, I would like to share a message to Klaus for him to tell his own masters that my name is Norbin Laden. I am a human being, not a QR code. I don't want to eat the bugs. I don't want to live in the pod. I don't want to be trapped in a digital jail and nothing they can do will make me. I want to keep my God given freedom and my human dignity. They cannot take this away from me. And we will see the day where these people will be tried for their crimes against humanity. To wrap up, I would like to... Yeah,
2: she said a mouthful there. And uh, here's another one. Uh, this was uh, Matt Gates and a roundtable discussion. I will not support a taxpayer Bailout of Silicon Valley Bank Let's take a listen Not Nothing. long
1: until we vote on the Silicon Valley Bank
0: bailout <laughs> do You think it'll be, journal, <laughs> think it'll it'll be, be next week bill? Or do you think it'll be two weeks You know I gotta tell I, you I, something I, um, I was, I'm not so sure that they can do something like that I mean they got you know it's like you said Well, We have the tools well, or we're going to admire well, them well, Or we're going to use them I don't think they can do I don't think they can go bailout Dan Bishop predicts
1: it on no. Tim No vote on the Silicon Valley No 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 but tell them how Tell them how By the way,
0: you said today, tell them how they're going to do it. They're going to use national security, and they're going to use the deep state as the excuse. that that Gates nailed it today, early on our show. They're going to say that this is the centerpiece of all these companies that are high-tech companies in Silicon Valley, all these companies that let us compete with the Chinese, and if you don't let them make payroll next week, Okay, it's going to collapse, and we're going to be a decade behind the CCP, whoa, whoa. and they're going to make it and make it a national. So, vote so
1: what's the coalition of votes there? The Silicon Valley Democrats, Neocon. led by Rokana, the neoconservatives, uh, led by the traditional voices of that movement in in the House Republican Caucus. And then the appropriators, because they always you know they, spending money is not typically something that's an affront to someone on the appropriations committee. Is that, is that the, the co- that, That's the coalition it's, 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 I that's, see. That
0: looks like 400 <laughs> vo- That looks like 400 votes. <laughs> right?
1: A lot more votes that's, than I got on my, yeah. uh, my resolution to pull out of Syria. Mm.
0: I don't um, see that coalition coming together. I don't see Kahana as much as he talks about economic patriotism, putting that coalition together to have a bailout of, of East Palestine, Ohio. See, we're gonna, you guys are going to replay 2008 and 2009, where Louis Garment, you had, you had a decision. Do we step in and have intervention and try to save this corrupt system by infusing it with taxpayer cash to bail out the elites? Or do we let the contagion spread and let the devil catch the hindmost? And the problem is, when you're looking into the abyss, it's a very tough call for you guys to make because they're going to sit there and go, you, right now we're looking into an open pit you have no idea how deep this could go, you know, how the American financial system could collapse, how the international financial system could collapse. So you better vote to bail it out with taxpayer cash. So you're going to take it from people making $45,000 a year to bail out the wealthiest people on earth, and they're going to put a gun to your head. And they are going to say, okay, you're going to, you, 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 if, you don't, if you vote no and let capitalism take its, take, its, take its path, this contagion will spread. They're already talking about it. Is it, it a on, contagion wait, wait, wait.
1: or chemotherapy? That's I'm what I'm, I'm trying to figure
2: out. Are you
1: saying let SVB fail?
0: I think you have to, by the way. Until yeah. you get a bailout of East Palestine, Ohio, screw, Agreed. screw. Look those people are the guys that mock and ridicule maga every day of the week this is the elite that is, is it's an elite bank yeah. the mo- i think most elite bank in the country it only has a certain clientele of the only the best of these high tech companies only the, it's all the venture capitalists it's all, politically they all hate us and they, they they mock and ridicule the central part of this country they're, they're the 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 coastal elites let their venture capital from they got plenty of cash plenty of capital let them go bail themselves out yeah physician heal thyself do not come to us when you have not you sit there and you mock and ridicule east palestine you have some bo- bogus uh um a hearing when nothing gets settled nothing gets sorted I, until east palestine gets a bailout there shouldn't be one freaking penny given to I, give I, anything in silicon valley
2: wow yeah and i grew up just about 30 minutes from east palestine <laughs> so i know what he's talking about there um Crazy stuff. Do you know, uh, I ran across this meme, it says total Adderall prescriptions in the U.S. have increased since 2017 from 32.2 million to 41.4 million uh, doses or something like that. I don't know what the uh, number represents, but it's it's 25% increase. Adderall is supposed to help ADHD or something like that with kids. It's it's insane, the kind of drugs we're taking. Um, all right. Inspectors General estimates that $276 billion of fraud, waste, and in pandemic relief funds, biggest fraud in a generation. And that's uh, printed up by Breitbart. Um, and that's probably just a drop in the bucket to other fraud we don't know about. That's true. And then there's this Goldman, uh, Matt Talibbi, he, he, Matt T.E.B. Uh, was on the stand yesterday and, and pretty much uh, last week and owned Goldman.
6: Do you think it's a legitimate objective of the FBI
1: to stop foreign interference in our elections? I think it's a legitimate objective to stop actual foreign interference.
2: I love it. All right, let's take a listen to Godfrey Bloom giving a speech on banking. Um, This is going to be a big uh, story this week, I'm sure, because I think today is the beginning of what could be a banking collapse. Uh, Well,
7: uh, Commissioner, um, Mr. President, uh, I rise again, I'm afraid, to make the same old hoary speech that I've been making here for several years. And that is, it is my opinion that you do not really understand the concept of banking. All the banks are broke. Uh, Bank Santander, Deutsche Bank, Royal Bank of Scotland, they're all broke. And why are they broke? It isn't an act of God. It isn't some sort of tsunami. They're broke because we have a system called fractional reserve banking, which means that banks can lend money that they don't actually have. It's a criminal scandal and it's been going on for too long. To add to that problem, you have moral hazard, a very significant moral hazard from the political sphere. And most of the problem starts in politics and central banks which are part of the same political system. We have counterfeiting, sometimes called quantitative easing, but counterfeiting by any other name. The artificial printing of money which if any ordinary person did, they'd go to prison for a very long time. And yet governments and central banks do it all the time. Central banks repress the amount of interest that rates are so we don't have the real cost of money. And yet we blame the real retail banks for manipulating LIBOR. The sheer effrontery of this is quite astonishing. It's central banks, it's central banks that manipulate interest rates, Commissioner. And plus, underneath all this, we talk loosely, in a rather cavalier fashion, do we not, about deposit guarantees. So when banks go broke through their own incompetence and chicanery, the taxpayer picks up the tab. It's theft from the taxpayer. And until we start sending bankers, and I include central bankers and politicians, to prison for this outrage, it will continue.
2: He's right. And that's exactly why the banks are collapsing, because the Federal Reserve is manipulating, and uh, they're going one way, then they're going the other. Why don't they just stay out of it? Um, Let's take a listen to this. Hunter Biden, it turns out the Hunter Biden scandal, the Biden crime family, worse than they ever expected. Let's take a look. Dossier
6: in spying on President Trump's campaign. 2018, it was the Mueller investigation that was going on. 2020 is what we just talked about, the Biden laptop story. And in 2022, 91 days before the election, they raid President Trump's home and they know about Joe Biden having the same, having a a classified document concern before the election and they don't tell us about that. So maybe just stay out of the elections, FBI, and let the American people decide who we want represented.
5: And that was uh, that was House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan last week on this program on the politicization of the DOJ and the FBI. The National Archives revealing in a letter to Senators Grassley and Johnson on Tuesday that nine boxes of documents were taken from the office of President Biden's attorney, Patrick Moore. But they have yet to be reviewed, even though the archives have had possession of this material since November. The boxes were shipped from the Penn Biden Center in Washington to Moore's Law Firm in Boston. Next month, Biden's former executive assistant from his time as vice president, Kathy Chung, will testify before the House Oversight Committee on the president's handling of classified documents. Join me right now to look ahead as the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, Kentucky Republican Congressman James Comer. Mr. Chairman, thanks very much for being here this morning. Thank you for having me. First, I want to get your take on the news of the day, and that is this Silicon Valley bank uh, loss and this failure. You were on a bank board. You're the chairman of the Oversight Committee. What should be done here?
0: Well, look, this is something that I, I worry could be a trend. Usually when one bank goes down, more banks go down. And what we've seen early on from articles I've read in the Wall Street Journal and, and other financial publications is they invested a lot of cash, a lot of cash that I would assume they had from things like the PPP loan, government policy, and they invested it in bonds. And then because the Democrats spent too much money in all their stimulus, they, they, the bonds go down when interest rates go up. The Fed had to raise interest rates to come combat the Democrat inflation, and then we see now coming out that uh, they were one of the most woke banks in uh, their inv- their quest for uh, the ESG-type uh, type policy you know, and investing. You know, This could be a trend, and there are right. consequences for bad Democrat policy, and I think we need to keep an eye on all the, the banking sector right now. Well,
2: That's exactly what I was saying in the beginning, the unintended consequences. And uh, tomorrow we're going to be playing another uh, aspect of that interview, um, which is going to be about the exposure of the Biden crime family and the investigation of the Oversight Committee. Um, That's all going to happen tomorrow. But uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today uh, to the Scott Adams show. It was an interesting show today because we talked about the Oscars for a good long time as well uh, in the beginning. Um, but uh, of the show, and um, anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out Magapac. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Use Red State over at My Pillow. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, bye,
7: everybody.
4: Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper And grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper Just to bury my kid.